Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Standing up for what's right. This is The Roy Green Show. across a story a uh, couple of, hi everybody it's uh it's green it's saturday it's easter weekend happy easter all came across this story uh, a couple of days ago and i found it disturbing very disturbing we, we've talked about bullying a lot on this program talked to people who were bullied when they were kids as adults they still carry the the pain with them we've talked to parents of bullied children we've talked to bullied kids and we've talked to a bully had i remember we had a bully on a bully on from saskatchewan and he former bully, and he shared with us a story about having been a really nasty bully, and he changed his ways because of a specific incident that happened in his life. He had bullied a child so severely that even he was concerned, and the child didn't show up for school the next day and didn't show up for a number of days. And then they found out that the child was dead, And his great concern was that he'd caused the death. He hadn't, but it changed his life. He told us that story. But out of Florida came this story. I just want to read you a little bit, and then I'll talk to my guest. And we'll take some calls from you. In fact, we have two guests on this segment today. This is a story by Megan O'Matz, and I was in touch with Ms. Matz from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. She writes, in the aftermath of the Parkland massacre, some students with disabilities are being taunted or callously pegged by others as being the next school shooter, parents and experts say. Quote, there's been a lot of bullying going on in our schools, says Kelly Bush, a South Florida advocate for children with autism. I spoke with Ms. Bush as well. She was not able to join us, but she did underscore what what has been written here. School and mental health records show that Nicholas Cruz, who killed 17 and wounded 17 more at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High on Valentine's Day, was reported to have numerous conditions, including autism and severe behavioral and emotional problems. Uh, Slapping crews with an autistic label has increased the angst of parents of children with the neurological disorder who already struggle to foster acceptance and compassion for their children. Experts say some people with autism, especially children, may find it hard to communicate or to control their emotions. They can experience sensory overload or become frustrated when unable to express themselves and may become aggressive or irritated. Their outbursts, such as throwing a chair, occurs in flashes and typically are minor and over quickly premeditated acts of violence are not a symptom of autism. Yet Valerie Herskowitz of Jupiter, Florida, who has a grown son with autism, said she's heard from parents that some students have asked autistic children, are you going to kill us? So this bullying of autistic and otherwise disabled children in Florida schools, particularly after Parkland, is really, really disturbing, really disturbing. Rob Banfernet joins me. He's the co-founder and co-executive director of Bullying Canada. 
Inc. And I remember when you started Bullying Canada, Rob, and you've come, a, you've done a lot for the issue of bullying. You've helped out a, tremendously in this country. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon, Roy. What do you make of this? Uh, are you surprised that kids in Florida are bullying disabled and autistic kids and asking them if they're going to be the next school shooters? That was concerning to me in a, in a number of ways. And am I surprised by it? No. Uh, it's not the first time I've heard of that happening. Um, it's, it's something that uh, happened um, in incidents that we've had throughout the country as well. Um, and I, I think that uh, we need to, to remember, as you said in your introduction, that uh, individuals with autism um, aren't likely to um, retaliate in this type of um, fashion, and, and that's something that we need to keep in mind. Um, so, no, I don't think that we have to, to be worried that uh, just because somebody has autism that they're going to um, you know, do the same thing that's happened in Florida. No, I don't think that's the, 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 the concern. The concern is what happens to these kids who have autism and the disabled kids when they're being taunted by their classmates. The concern there is, um, you know, they're not getting, um, you know, the correct supports that they need um, to keep them safe, really. Um, you know, they're not they're not getting the accurate support in their school system uh, when they're being bullied. Um, you know, the fact that they're being taunted for one and, you know, they're not accurately getting help mm-hmm. uh, to get that addressed. Um, the when it comes to the United States and bullying, it's it's extremely difficult to measure. It's extremely difficult to deal with because each state has a different uh, way of dealing with it. Uh, each school has a different way. So there's no uh, easy uh, method or uh, policy to follow or anything like that. And um, it bothers me in the sense that um, you know. Most of these students are going to fall through the cracks. Um, I'm hoping uh, that none of these students are going to harm themselves. Um, I'm hoping that um, their parents are going to be made aware that they're being harassed at school and their parents are going to be able to step up and and go to school administration. Yeah, you know, I read some of the things that were said by a major player in the school administration in the area. doesn't seem more, doesn't seem any better than the usual. Well, we'll... We'll look into it, and we'll talk to people, and we'll conduct a study, and then we'll act accordingly. Well, that's doing nothing. That's absolutely doing nothing. And will they do this study? Probably not. And if they do, it's going to be you know, 10 years before we see anything. Um, it's not doing anything right now. It's not helping the kids right now. And that's you know they've done lots of studies. We don't generally see any changes from those, um, and we don't generally see anything from the studies because we don't generally see the studies. Um, so, uh, my like I said, my initial concern with that is: are the students that are being affected getting the immediate help they need, as in you know, help tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, or Tuesday, whenever they return to school Monday? Uh, are they getting the immediate help uh, because they're being targeted? Um, you know, so that's that's the concern. And whereas they're not within Canada, it there's no way of knowing that, and and that's. You know, that's the problem. Yeah, I didn't think we'd have answers here, but I mean, it's something that you and I both know. Everybody who has a child who's being bullied knows that come Tuesday morning, the kids who go back to school and they're incessantly bullied are going to have a hard time 
getting going again. They don't want to go to school because they know what's going to happen to them. The long weekend gives them a little bit of reprieve unless they're cyberbullied, but the issue the issue is, is prevalent in this country and elsewhere. Rob, let me also ask you about this. There have been uh, some of the survivors of the, uh, of the school attack mm-hmm. have been attacked on social media themselves. Yep. As people have written, well, you bullied Nicholas Cruz, so... You, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You bear some level of responsibility. What do you say to that? Um, to that, uh, there, there's no... That's cruel, evidence. isn't it? I mean, that's yeah, just cruel. It, it is. Um, there's... That's tricky. Now, the only thing I can relate it to is I know some people that have went through it in Canadian incidents, and... Um, they're still dealing with those effects, mm-hmm. um, and it's been you know, multiple years since their particular incident. So they're going to be dealing with this for years and years and years to come. And um, the only thing that we can deal with going forward is you know they're they're pushing for change, which I think is really important, and they they need to continue to do so. And the fact that there's youth that are advocating for change within their country is great, and they need to you know keep that up. So uh, the fact that he is um, you know being labeled as a victim in this case, I mean maybe he is, maybe he wasn't. That I mean that's besides the point at this point. Um, I, I think the most important part of this is how can we ensure that, A, this doesn't happen again, and unfortunately it probably will, which, I mean, is... Well, it will, point. because, I mean, there were so many opportunities to intercept... And they didn't. Crews, and they didn't. They were, and they I'm didn't. sure this is going on, it has to be going on elsewhere as well, where the signs are obvious that there's going to be a problem, maybe not a school shooting, but there'll be an issue and it'll be serious and nobody is doing enough about it because... They're frozen in place. They don't know what to do because they don't have any policies. Or if they have policies, they're basically cover your behind policies. They write a policy that protects the staff and protects the, the you know the school and the school district. And then if there's a bullying situation, they refer to the policy and nothing gets done. So that's the concern. That's certainly the concern that I have. Now, you also know that Nicholas Cruz has got supporters. He's got people who are putting money in his account in prison so he can get uh, items out of the commissary. He's getting love letters and he's getting fan support. Uh, I I can't publicly say on radio what I think about that. Yeah, I know, I know. You and I agree, but that happens every time uh-huh. there is somebody like him. There are those who who, who climb on board to uh, to express support for them, which is frankly sick. What what's the most significant thing that you've accomplished that you've been able to accomplish at uh, bullying Canada as far as dealing with bullies in this country is concerned? And you dealt with bullying yourself before you formed the organ co-formed the organization. I think the biggest thing we've we've been able to do so far is the amount of uh, individuals that have like I've heard from ninety year olds and ninety five and ninety six year olds that were bullied, um, you know, when they were kids, and um, We've gotten letters from them um, and expressed how, uh, you know, it's it's allowed them to finally move on from when they were bullied. And, I mean, we're going back 70 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're sending us a donation with this letter. And, nice. um, you know, that's the reason we do what we do, let alone, you know, the amount of kids we hear from on a daily basis and parents that we hear from on a daily basis. So, you know, that's why we do what we do. And, um, you know, it's it, the fact that 
we hear from kids that uh, have been able to, you know, when I'm on the phone with them, they can sigh of you know, relief and know that you know, they're finally able to get some help. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why we do what we do. So uh, we've been doing it now for almost 13 years. So oh, yeah, uh, it's it's unfortunate that you know we, we have to do what we do, but uh, you know we've been able to do it this long, and uh, you know kids have been reaching out for this long. So yeah, you've made that, a difference. Uh, we're here. Yeah, yeah Rob. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Good talking to you again. Thank you very much, Roy. Have a great day. All the best. Rob Ben Frenette, uh, co-founder, co-executive director of Bullying in Canada, Inc. This is a really concerning issue, really disturbing issue. If you have kids, we're not talking about necessarily high school kids, we're not little kids. So their classmates are, are disabled or autistic children, and they're asking their classmates, are you going to shoot us? Or they're taunting them because they know about Nicholas Cruz and his autism, Excuse me, in his various conditions, and so they, so they, taunt their bully their classmates, whether you're going to shoot us. It's got to be terrifying for these, for the kids who are on the receiving end of it. And then there are the survivors of, uh, of Parkland who who are being attacked on social media. You bullied this guy, so you bear some level of responsibility. Paraphrasing is, I mean, that's just awful. Cruz is receiving support. I have real issues with that. But my question is really, is this. At 800-263-2428. I want to bring this back to the fundamental issue of bullies and being bullied. Because I know there are kids, huge numbers of kids, huge numbers, who today are breathing a little more easily because they're in the middle of a long weekend. But they're afraid of Tuesday morning because they have to go back to school and they have to face their bullies again. 1-800-263-2428. Are you a parent of a bullied child? Are you a parent of an autistic child? Are you a parent of an otherwise disabled child? Is your child bullied because of his or her disability or autism? And is your child just generically bullied because your child is available for bullying because the bullies get away with it? Is your child a victim of bullying? What does that do to your child? Really, what does it do to your child? What does it do to you as a family? I know that the school boards and the schools are not doing nearly enough to help you. But what does it do to your child? What does it do to you as a family if you are the parent of a bullied child? 800-263-2428. I was going to expand this further, but I'm not. I'm going to keep it fairly narrow. If you're a parent of a bullied child, 800-263-2428. Let's talk about it. He's always up for a good debate. This is the Roy Green Show. International parenting expert and bullying expert Barbara Coloroso will join us in about 10 minutes. Let's go to your calls now at 800-263-2428 across Canada. If you're a parent of children or a child who is bullied, give us a call and 
Share some stories with us. How's it impact your child? I bet you they don't want to go to school. I bet you they tell you they got tummy aches. They don't want to go to school. And these little kids in Florida who are being tormented by their classmates, kids with disabilities and, de- and autism, and, 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 and being asked, are you going to be the next one to kill us? Or will you be the one who kills us? Will you be the one who has the, does the school shooting? That is just cruel. And to hear the school administrators say, well, we're going to look into it. We'll, we'll conduct a study. We'll ask parents. We'll, we'll do this and that and the other. They are doing zilch, nothing. Jackie is in Edmonton. How are you, Jackie? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ray. How about you? I'm just terrific. Thank you so much. Please uh, tell us what you can. What do you want to share with us? Well, I'm thinking back to my my oldest daughter, and uh, when she was in grade 10, 11, and 12, she had this group of girls that just made her life living hell. And she never went outside of the school for lunch uh, because that's, you know, of course, outside of the school is where it happens. So she spent those years sitting in the library at lunch and being alone. And she still, um, her self-esteem is not where it should be. Uh, the one girl, her mother, uh, was actually running for politics, for municipal politics around here, and I told somebody I could never vote for her, and they're like, why? And I said, because bullies aren't born. Bullies are trained. And if her daughter was a bully, what did the mother do? And I could not vote for this lady. But I'm also wondering... I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I must say to you, I've talked to parents of bullies and they've been completely exasperated because, first of all, they didn't know that their kids were bullies. Nobody told them. Mm-hmm. And then when they found out, they went to the schools and they wanted something done, and the schools would do nothing. So these yeah. parents of bullies were saying, I'm lost. Yeah. And then the well, kids, some, in some cases, the kids turned on them. Yeah, I, it's, it's understandable. But I'm wondering when a bully gets older, do they regret having been a bully? And could they be used to go in and talk to these kids who are bullied Maybe. and say, you know what, I know what you're doing, because I did the same thing. Maybe. And Maybe. you need to stop it. And even if there was What was What happened to your child? What was the worst thing that happened to your child? Uh, you know, if you, she, uh, well, I mean, my, my son, they, they physically uh, got him. Girls, girls can be nasty, because mm-hmm. girls, it's not a physical thing. But it's a total uh, self-esteem thing. And Jackie, for how many years did this? For how many years did this go on? Well, that was grade ten, eleven, and twelve. I mean, she didn't oh. even go to grad, and she was an oh. honor student. But she didn't go to grad because she said, "I didn't like these people when I was there. Why would I go to grad to yeah. celebrate with them?" Yeah, thank you, Jackie. I appreciate the call. How how difficult is that? You don't go to your grad because you've been bullied, and don't don't want to be bullied on your grad. We'll come back with Barbara Coloroso and more of your calls, and there's an editorial in the New York Times I'm going to read to you as well. Bullying. Stay with us. He may be opinionated, but he never jumps to conclusions. This is The Roy Green Show. You can follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show at Len Rhodes Prez tweets, uh, I'm proud that many of our Edmonton-esque players go to schools to speak about anti-bullying coming from pro football athletes. It seems to be quite effective with students. That's great, Len. It's good to know. And that is true. Uh, to have pro athletes here in school 
and defend the kids who are being bullied makes a difference. There's also an organization called Defenders of the Children, and we spoke to two people from that group not long ago, and uh, they are motorcycle enthusiasts. So these are and they're like big guys who get on their bikes wearing their full leathers and their patches, and they accompany bullied kids to school. And uh, they make their presence known. They make it known that they're here supporting the bullied kids. So if you've got a child who's being bullied, look them up online, Defenders of the Children. Good group from our, from what I recall from our conversation with them. So i just disturbed, very disturbed to hear and read that in South Florida, kids in schools are bullying disabled and autistic classmates and asking them, because of what they know about Nicholas Cruz, the shooter at Parkland, uh, asking them, are you going to be the next school shooter? That is just, that is awful. And how does a little kid absorb that? How does a little kid deal with that? How does a little kid do anything but be afraid after hearing that? Barbara Coloroso joins me on The Roy Green Show. She's an international parenting and bullying expert. I'm sure you're aware of Barbara. One of her books is The Bully, The Bullied, and The Bystander. Barbara, hi. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, Roy. Thank you for having me. What do you make of this? Well, as a special ed teacher and as a parent and uh, just as a human being, it's galling to me. Uh, Anyone can be targeted, but kids who have special needs or kids who are somewhat different from other kids are at high risk for being targeted. They're more likely to be targeted than to bully anybody. Um, They may be striking back. And the sad thing is, if we overlook the verbal and the social bullying that they have to experience, being called names, being asked if you're going to be the next school shooter, or the shunning and the rumor and the gossip, When they can't take it anymore, they tend to strike back, and they'll hit back, and they're the ones who get in trouble Mm -hmm. because we as educators and parents and other people in the community have failed to recognize the seriousness of verbal and relational bullying, which can be devastating to young people and especially kids with special needs um, because they often have uh, some difficulties with social skills and social relationships. Uh, So... We have to be very tuned in as adults, but also work with our own children uh, and talk to them about uh, the fact that each one of us is unique. I, I talk about Martin Buber, I and thou. I'm unique and you're unique, and we have a common humanity. The problem in bullying is I'm unique and you're an it. When I call you names, uh, racial names or racist names or sexist names or sexual names, and those are different, Um, to dehumanize you. Um, It's a short walk from hateful rhetoric to hate crime. Yeah, and you Um, you know, there's another aspect of this that that is also disturbing, and uh, that is that some of the survivors of the Parkland shooting have been attacked on social media, and they've been told, look, you bullied Nicholas Cruz, and so you bear some level of responsibility for what he did. And uh, I'd like your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, um, it was the same with the Phoebe Prince case, where she was horribly tormented, and the, the kids, after she committed suicide, did were held to account, but not for 
for suicide. Mm -hmm. And people said to me, um, but why shouldn't they be accountable? Well, suicide's complicated. School shootings are complicated. However, I can promise you that had a kid not like Phoebe Prince not been targeted relentlessly those six months, we don't know if she would have committed suicide or not, but I can guarantee you her life wouldn't have been as miserable had she not been targeted. And that's what kids have to be accountable for, is did I make anybody miserable? And some kids, they're at the end of their fuse. And so, yes, we have to be kind. However, in uh, my latest uh, excerpt from one of my, uh, it's called an ARIA for ASCD, I talk about the fact that we cannot tell young people that if you're kind to somebody, they won't become a school shooter. Um, and if somebody's being mean and cruel to you and you're being asked to be kind to them, I believe we as adults have an ob obligation to recognize this mean and cruel for what it truly is, a kid needing help, needing therapeutic intervention, and needing to be held accountable for their behavior. Um, I, I think we do more harm. I, I, it's important that we teach young people to be kind to one another. But to put the onus on them that had you not done this or had you been kinder to this kid, he wouldn't have been a school shooter mm -hmm. um, because it's simply not true. And it's so unfair. Uh, it's, well, it is. And to put a guilt trip on them, how about we as adults taking a real strong look at uh, how are we behaving? You see, bullying's learned. You have to be taught to be mean. So how do you treat hired help? How do you treat somebody moving through the grocery store slower than you'd like them to? How do you treat a, a young person you see who obviously has autism? Um, do you skirt around them, or can you give them a smile, give them a, a, a hug, and let them know we're here? We're all here for one another. Um, and how do you treat the bigoted relative at the family gathering? Can you call them on it? Can you call them on their bigoted and racist and sexist comments in front of your children, even when your mother says, look, he's old. Old is never an excuse. I'm 70. Old is never an excuse for bigotry and hatred. So in other words, um, be, an be an adult. Be an adult. Be an adult. When, Take charge. And when, mom, and when mom says, but he's old, I have to say, in front of my children, mm -hmm. I don't ever want my children to believe that those kind of comments are ever acceptable. Now, i got to tell you, in my country right now, um, we don't have some great role models uh, right now, and our kids are exposed to some pretty heavy-duty garbage uh, in terms of how we call one another names, how we denigrate other human beings, how we make uh, other whole groups of people into an it. You know, I, in my genocide book, I talked about the fact that it is a short walk from hateful words to hate crimes to crimes against humanity. And, you know, we're starting on that path, and we have to, to say, wait a minute, we got to take some steps back here. All and right. if we want our kids to be kind and caring and sensitive, we also have to teach them how to stand up and report when somebody is being mean yeah, and cruel and we, to and, anyone. And at, the, and at the school level, we, I talked with a previous guest about this, the school boards will often uh, say, or a leader of the school board will say, well, we'll do a study, we'll talk to people, we'll file a report, and then the study is never done, the people aren't talked to, and you never see the report. Barbara, thank you so much. It's always oh, great speaking thank with you. you. We have to take action now. We have to care about each one of the people that we come in contact with. We, we are I and thou and our common humanity. Thank we you, Barb. Matter. Thank you. Take care. Barbara Coloroso on The Roy Green Show. Well, let me read you this. It was in the New York Times by Isabel Robinson.
earlier in the week. My first interaction with Nicholas Cruz happened when I was in seventh grade. I was eating lunch with my friends, most likely discussing One Direction or Ed Sheeran, when I felt a sudden pain in my lower back. The force of the blow knocked the wind out of my 90-pound body. Tears stung my eyes. I turned around and saw him smirking. I'd never seen this boy before, but I would never forget his face. His eyes were lit up with a sick, twisted joy as he watched me cry. The apple that he'd thrown at my back rolled slowly along the tiled floor. A cafeteria aide rushed over and asked me if I was okay. I don't remember if Mr. Cruz was confronted over his actions, but in my 12-year-old naivete, I trusted that the adults around me would take care of the situation. Five years later, hiding in a dark closet inside Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, I would discover just how wrong I was. I'm not writing this piece to malign Nicholas Cruz any more than he already has been. I have faith that history will condemn him for his crimes. I'm writing this because of the disturbing number of comments I've read that go something like this. Maybe if Mr. Cruz's classmates and peers had been a little nicer to him, the shooting at Stoneman Douglas never would have occurred. This deeply dangerous sentiment expressed under the walk-up-not-out hashtag implies the acts of school violence can be prevented if students befriend disturbed and potentially dangerous classmates. The idea that we are to blame, even implicitly, for the murders of our friends and teachers is a slap in the face of all Stoneman Douglas victims and survivors. A year after I was assaulted by Mr. Cruz, I was assigned to tutor him through my school's peer counseling program. Being a peer counselor was the first real responsibility I'd ever had, my first glimpse of adulthood, and I took it very seriously. Despite my discomfort, I sat down with him alone. I was forced to endure his cursing me out and ogling my chest until the hour-long session ended. When I was done, I felt a surge of pride for having organized his binder and helping him with his homework. Looking back, I'm horrified. I now understand that I was left unassisted with a student who had a known history of rage and brutality. Like many pre-teenage and teenage girls, I possessed and still to an extent possess a strong desire to please. I strive to win the praise of the adults in my life and long to be seen as mature beyond my years. I would have done almost anything to win the approval of my teachers. This is not to say that children should reject their more socially awkward or isolated peers, not at all. As a former peer counselor and current teacher's assistant, I strongly believe in and have seen the benefits of reaching out to those who need kindness most. But students should not be expected to cure the ills of our genuinely troubled classmates or even our friends, because we first and foremost go to school to learn. The implication that Mr. Cruz's mental health problems could have been solved if only he'd been loved more by his fellow students is both a gross misunderstanding of how these diseases work and a dangerous suggestion that puts children on the front line. It is not the obligation of children to befriend classmates who've demonstrated aggressive, unpredictable, or violent tendencies. It is the responsibility of the school administration and guidance departments to seek out those students and get them the help that they need, even if it's extremely specialized attention that cannot be provided at the same institution. No amount of kindness or compassion alone would have changed the person that Nicholas Cruz is and was, or the horrendous actions he perpetrated. That is a weak excuse for the failures of our school system, our government, and our gun laws. My little sister is now the age I was when I was left alone with Mr. Cruz, anxious and defenseless. The thought of her being put in the same situation that I was fills me with rage. I hope that she will never know the fear that I have become so accustomed to in the past month. The slightest unexpected sound makes my throat constrict 
and my neck hairs curl. I beg her to trust her gut whenever she feels unsafe, and I demand that the adults in her life protect her. Isabel Robinson is a senior at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School.